You are listening to Backstage Pass Podcast, hosted by Hannah Trigwell and brought to you by Yolanda. Hello, Bob James. Hello. Hi, Hannah. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Extra, well, considering the, the circumstances, extremely well. So um, I can't really complain, apart from it's raining. But hey, that's the, the great British summer. I know you best as an artist manager because you were my artist manager. I had that privilege. That's correct, yes. It was awesome. And I think it's fairly unusual for an artist and a former manager to stay friends. But we've always been really good friends. So this... yeah. It was always going to be this way, which is awesome. Absolutely. For the viewers and the listeners who don't know your background, there's a lot more to what you do than just artist management. So give us a rundown. Okay, so we've got about three hours for my life history. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it feels like that as I go into the spiel. Um, (laughs) Basically, first things first, I I used to say I'm not a creator, and then I actually realised I am a creator by creating a different way. Um, the difference is I'm not a musician. I tried very hard to play instruments and I just wasn't very good at it. But I actually learned that I could make money and have success through playing other people's music. Uh, and that's how I started. I started DJing. I then built up a network of DJs all over the country. I was part of the scene. I, I, I became a sort of chairman of the DJ associations and just kept on putting myself forward and was visible in the industry. Um, and then on the back of that, I got the opportunity to start doing club promotion, sending music out to DJs. Um, and I went, yeah, absolutely. Why not? And uh, the very first records that I worked, I actually had four number ones in a row through Jive Bunny, believe it or not, through a, a, a cartoon rabbit. But that was enough to get me started. And then that company went on and became the, probably the biggest independent promotion and marketing company in the UK, doing club, radio, TV, um, college promotion, and and then eventually that you know we had sort of thirty six staff and a multi million pound turnover, but all started because I kept on putting myself forward for stuff. Going, yep, I can do it. Yep, I can do it. And uh, then on the back of that, we got the opportunity to go into management, and we set up a management arm, and we were managing Mystique at that time. We were managing singer uh, songwriters and also professional songwriters. Um, such as the people like DK Music and who were fantastic and had loads and loads of success. And then that just kept on going. And then eventually I moved out of promotion and went into management. Um, and then my journey always sort of just keeps consuming, you know, continuing. I'm still DJing all these years later, still putting myself forward for stuff. Um, and then sort of became quite frustrated, I think, with why... Uh, in artist management, and this isn't reflection on you because you're a pleasure to work with, but we've had uh, <laughs> quite a few situations over the years where the yeah. biggest problem was actually the artists themselves um, right. getting in their own way and this self-destructing. Mm. I just couldn't work it out. So I uh, started doing lots of research. Um, I also have always, ever since I was young, had a bit of a sort of an overactive mind. Um, I always had a bit of an anxious mind, sort of thinking about every possibility, plan A, plan B, plan C which is brilliant for management, but crap if you want to get a decent night's sleep. Um, <laughs> so, with my, yeah. so with my current partner, um, she actually sort of pointed me in the direction of actually understanding my thoughts. Um, and then I went off and I trained as a mindfulness coach. So I teach people mindfulness now, um, discover things like meditation, um, understanding now how the mind works. And again, putting myself forward, 
my partner also, she, she trained as a hypnotherapist and we, we, we built the business on the back of that, which thank goodness we did, is, uh, is doing great guns now. And, and that has now become almost like my focus. But based around helping creative people, because what we've actually done is actually sort of worked out what's going wrong. And it's mm. actually so simple to change. In my kind of view, creative people tend to feel things more intensely sometimes. Is that what you've, is that what you're saying? Yeah. And feeling what you say there, feel things more intensely is exactly the problem. Mm. Um, and a creative mind is, you know, people, I always say that, you know, creative minds are people who think differently to other yeah. people. But the bizarre thing is that we are all creative people. I corrected myself at the beginning and said, I'm not creative. Well, actually, yes, I am creative. Because if you look at a child, a newborn baby, they are nothing but creative. Creative play yeah. is what they do. They are literally, they, they imagine everything. They build things. They knock it down. They build it again. They create on an ongoing basis and go, whoa, isn't life wonderful? Um, but then when we go to education, and no disrespect to the education system, well, actually, lots of disrespect to the education system, <laughs> it sucks because you are taught not to be creative. Right? Yeah, it's a, it's more about regurgitation of totally. things that other people have created, isn't it? You are taught to be a worker. You are mm. taught to accept that it's okay to work once you have finished your normal day's work, as in homework. You are taught yeah. to don't question me, just do as I say, to turn up on time, to look the same, don't have a haircut that's different, anything other than expressing yourself and being creative, which is our natural state. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, some people who are creative in the sense that they've got the creative part of their mind is at the forefront, rebel against that. And so therefore, they, they can't really connect with school. And I could probably hazard a guess that you at school was like, okay, I'm doing all of this, but just doesn't really sort of feel right. It never really sat right. It sort of did it because it was expected of you. Yeah, and it's, uh, I used to try and do as many creative things, get taken out of class by music or art or drama teachers to work on a different project. I used to try and put myself forward for all of that because, God, especially if it was maths. It, it's not that... It's not that I I was bad at maths, you know. I I was in I was in the top class for maths, and that was, you know, I I I could do it. It's just it felt like such a chore for me. It just didn't. It just didn't come naturally, I suppose. And also, what happens is if you struggle, say you struggled at maths, the instinct mm. is we'll get you a tutor to help you with maths. But you probably yeah. excelled at music. But why didn't they get you a tutor to make you excel even more at music? I mean, that's, that's when you say it like that, it just sounds so logical, doesn't it? It is. And, and the thing is, then we get to sort of focus a bit more with A-levels and then you go to degree and you specialise and then you can start putting your focus back in. But the thing is, at yeah. that point, you've, you've knocked it out of yourself. And the, I'm going to go back, sort of circle back to what you said about feelings. But what we've got to do is we've got to think about the, the mind. And nobody teaches us at the beginning how the mind works. And the mind is broken down into two areas. You've got the conscious and the subconscious. We all believe that we are conscious. We talk about consciousness. We live in consciousness. That's what we believe. But actually, we don't. We live in unconsciousness. Subconscious is what is actually running 95% of the time. 
And I can I can pretty much guarantee yeah, that, that because sense. you're you're standing on stage when you are singing a song, you are not thinking about playing the guitar. You're just doing it. Yeah, true. All right? When you don't think about when you need to take a breath. You don't think about how do I digest my food? You don't think about how do I stand? You just do it. You don't think about how to ride a bike, how to drive a car. You go from A to B and think, how the hell did I get there? Because I was thinking about what was for <laughs> dinner. So we do it all subconscious. And But the thing is, what we do is we build habits. So if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, your brain fires neurons and it creates these little pathways. And, and the more you do it, the more it then cements it together and creates a permanent fixture. And what your brain is doing, it's working what's called like a stress response. It's trying to keep you safe. That's the subconscious role. Make sure you don't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Brilliant. Okay, that's our instinct. So what it does, it says, okay, so when you walked from home to school that way, you were not attacked. Now, what you'll find by default is every day you will walk the same way. If you go a different way, you're like, oh, I feel a bit out of sorts here. If you fold your, let me try this. You fold your arms. Just fold your arms with me. Right. Now unfold them. Now fold them again. Now unfold them. Now fold them again. Okay. Now every single time you fold your arms exactly the same way. Now try and fold them the other way around. <laughs> okay. Uh... How would that even go? I don't actually know how to do that. Like that? Yeah. Now, but it feels weird, doesn't it? So immediately yeah, your subconscious is saying, no, <laughs> go back, do it the way we always do it. And that's actually, yeah. that's that's what's happening with artists. You get into a habit of doing something mm. where you're safe. But someone comes along, such as maybe a manager or says, and says, no, 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 you've got to do something which is outside your comfort zone. Immediately you're going, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. So actually, and what happens, if you think about the feeling side of it, every time you have a thought, right, what happens is that thought generates like a, a, a protein. That protein creates um, hormones, which are chemicals. Basically, it's a big chemical factory. Those, ke- yeah. that chemi- those chemicals then travel down and create what we class as feelings. It's why we get that tingle in our stomach or we feel sweaty, we feel anxious, we feel <gasps> lightheaded. All of it creates feelings. The thought creates mm-hmm. the feeling. The feeling, whether you're scared, whether you're excited, whether you're in love, whatever it may be, creates a behavior. I mean, you go and do something. Yeah? The behavior creates the outcome. Yeah, you make a choice when you do that behavior. The outcome, once you've done it, makes you think even more thoughts and you go around the cycle again. So if you get negative thoughts, you're going to feel negative emotions. You're going to have ne- exhibit negative behaviors and yet negative outcomes. You're going to have more negative thoughts and you go back into the cycle. So the simple thing is all you have to do is change the cycle. And so for every yeah. single artist, what you've got to do is you've got 21 days roughly to change the cycle. Because that's, right. that's a habit. 21 days is a habit. Longer than that becomes okay. a personality trait. So if you want to do something, and that's if you want to learn to play guitar, what do you do? How do you learn guitar? What's the way you do that? Pick it up, try and play favourite songs, maybe go on ultimateguitar.com. Yeah, but what else? Practice. Practice, repetition, practice, yeah. practice. When you first start playing a guitar, you can't play it. If you keep practising, 
after 21 days, you're probably playing it. It's a habit. And the same with any instrument. So the thing is, what we do is we limit ourselves to what we can achieve by our very thoughts. So if you change the thoughts, you can actually achieve anything you want. So everything that happens in your life. I'm just life, thinking now, I'm just like, ooh, what instrument am I going to learn to play? Anything. <laughs> Yeah. Now, you know me. I'll say I'd be a manager. I, was, I wasn't Mr. Techie, yeah. all right? Graham, who co-managed me. Uh, I mean, you were. You were Mr. Techie okay. in a different way. You you introduced me to a lot of um, gadgets and yeah, tech but, but, in but, that but, way. <laughs> but, but did I understand programming? Could I do Ableton? Not at that time. No, but I can no. now. Can you? I, tra- I taught myself how to do it. Amazing. Now, if you remember, I spent my whole life never eating fish. I probably had that conversation with you. Said, oh, no, I don't yep. eat fish. Yeah. I eat yeah, fish yeah. now. Do you? Yeah. I sp- 21 days saying, I love fish. I now eat fish. I look forward to having fish. Gosh. The future has, hasn't happened, and yet the majority of our thoughts are based on the future, going, oh, this could happen, that's going to happen, and we project, and nothing the way, we, the way we project it, nothing ever happens the way we project it. So the only thing yeah, that actually true. matters is now and the decision you make now. Um, Annette Brown, who was one of my uh, mentors who taught me with mindfulness, one of the things that she used and I picked up on and I thought was great was the acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. Ooh, I like that. Change it. False evidence. I'm going to write that down, actually. That's a good one. Yeah. False, False evidence, evidence appearing, appearing real. real. And that is all that fear is. All right? We okay. are scared of something happening. Does it ever happen? No. But that's your subconscious going, what if there's a saber-toothed tiger there? So the default position will always be not to do something. Yeah. And that is the and problem that most artists have. They choose not to yeah. do something. Part of the conversation that we had a number of years ago when I was, I had all these songs. I remember having all these songs ready um, and uh, and I was at your house and we were just talking oh. about what we we're going to do and you were like, do an album. And I was like, well, I can't do an album. I'm just an independent artist. I should be putting out singles and EPs. I can't do an album. And you were like, why why can't you do an album? Like it was going to, it was going to cost me financially and cost me a lot of time. But if I just went to to do it then it would get done Uh and then we did it but it's like what you say that that fear of the unknown almost I think that's what struck me at that time and also you had the fear of being judged the fear of people saying I don't like this but again (laughs) put it into perspective have you listened to the first album that Pink Floyd ever made no it's just a series so. of experimental noises. There is no melody. It's all over the place. It's sort of really <laughs> Faustian, sort of crazy stuff going off. But okay. Dark Side of the Moon wasn't their first album. That evolved mm. through the process. Yeah. So, again, with artists, I always say, well, what have you got to lose? Because, do you know something? If people don't like it, what you should be saying, and I know this sounds really weird, you should be saying, thank you. Thank you for telling me it's not good enough. Thank you Mm. for giving me the incentive to do better. Thank you for making me go away and learn better recording, better production, the learn that it is important to get the album to flow. When you see that criticism, Mm. right, remember failure equals feedback. So failure, every time I've ever failed in my life, I've gone brilliant. Why? Because I'm not going to make that mistake again. So artists need to be making mistakes. 
They need to be putting crap out, making the mistake, learning from that and getting better. Yeah. He's saying that the album was crap. <laughs> no. <laughs> good try, yeah, I to- good try. But- <laughs> yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you. I think a lot of artists get stuck in that um you know, for me as well, I've had situations where I've put songs out years ago and and liked them at the time and now feel like what I'm doing is different to that. And you almost want to draw a line in the sand and start afresh sometimes when you've got a new project or a new song or a new album, whatever. Um, but that's the whole journey, isn't it? And if I hadn't have put out that song that I now I'm not so fond of, then I wouldn't have this song that I am so fond of. And it's like... Yeah, it's like what you say. If you if you don't do it, even if you're going to fail, then you never get to the next point. So, so again, here's another sort of scenario, um, and and I've used this scenario. But what if, say, an artist is I mean, an R does doesn't want to put the single out because they're afraid it's going to fail, and it's mission critical. The record label has said this has got to work, otherwise you're dropped. So they get paralysed by fear. So what happens is they overproduce. They rethink it and maybe that song which had that amazing feel when it first created it gets sanitized to the point of not being recognizable through fear and it sounds like everything else in the charts the originality has been knocked out because they're worried it won't get played on radio mm-hmm. but what happens in that situation is their very fear is attracted to them the negativity attracts more negativity to them so one it probably won't work because they're they're so frightened so what the first yeah. thing you've got to do is to put out what you believe in and stand by and be grateful for the opportunity to be able to put that music out and to be heard. Now, yeah. the other thing is, what if you put that music out and it fails completely? Is it life or death? No. You're not put to a firing squad. But what <laughs> if the failure of that record means that you then start making a bit of a joke about it? The next thing within five years... You're that comedian going around in arenas talking about your life as an independent recording artist, telling stories and having people rolling over in laughter. And you're now one of the most successful comedians on the planet playing to stadiums. These things happen in such a weird way as well, don't they? Mm -hmm. Well, look, you know, if we hadn't met, all right, if I'm falling in love with your music when we first, uh, first met and we wanted to work together, we hadn't gone through that journey. We wouldn't be doing this now. Now, we don't know where this is going to lead. You don't know where your future is going to lead. Music will always be part of it. But, Mm. you know, know, I I hated education as a child, and yet I teach a degree, and I do (laughs) public speaking. I never foresaw that. If anybody said to me 20 years ago, Bob, you're going to be preaching well-being and doing mindfulness and meditating and things like that, I would have laughed myself stupid and just gone, (laughs) You're mad. Whatever you're smoking, pass it over here because it's just crazy. Um, but now I am. And, and we always used to joke, and I'm, I'm from Brighton. and well, I, so, No, down south, good old southern. I lived yeah. in Brighton. I always used to take the mickey out of Hannah living up north. Where am I living? <laughs> up north. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. And, and you met your partner as well, didn't you, at a music – was it a music conference? Yeah, I was uh, I was I was public speaking for uh, the Songwriting yeah. Academy, and and she had joined that because she was trying to find an outlet for her creativity, and mm. it literally it was just, no I, uh, 
People say love at first sight, whatever it is, everyone goes, it's all a rubbish, it's fairy tales. But it literally was that. Um, at that particular yeah. conference, I noticed her. She was sitting at the front. She noticed me. Uh, I knew there was a connection. I couldn't explain it. I kicked myself yeah. because I didn't talk to her afterwards. And I spent the whole time in the car driving back, beating myself up because I didn't just say hello. Fear. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I was going to just say. Do you know what that is? False evidence, evidence appearing, appearing real. real. Why would she like me? Well, she's probably not interested. No, I might be overstepping the, stepping the mark. She does. Anyway, I beat myself up. And then I went to a networking event. And I always am a firm believer. Mm. You've got to be visible. You've got to put yourself out there. Uh, yeah. I went to a networking event and she was there. And it's a long story. And she just said, look, okay, let me just take a, can take a bit of a selfie. And the moment I put my arm around her, I knew that was the person I had to spend the rest of my life with. And I moved from Brighton. I came up oh, here. Oh, guys. I know. It's a lovely story. but she's And she's it amazing. Is. Yeah, it's amazing that you found a... Uh, a common passion with the mindfulness as well. Yeah, and she's 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 but she's the intelligent one in the relationship. I'm I'm I can talk, <laughs> but she thinks. Um and she and she's an amazing That's hypnoth- why it works. Well, yeah, well, she's an empath, she's an amazing hypnotherapist. Um she sorted my head out completely and uh and she honestly, you know, it's a I've seen it day in, day out when people come mm-hmm. to her and you see the change in creative people when it comes from a writer's block, how to get into flow. People, you know, musicians always talking, how do you achieve flow? Actually, mindfulness, get yourself in the now. Breathe. Yeah. All right, and, and the importance of the correct breathing. You know, if you go out on stage and you're just a singer, breathing is important. How do you oh, calm yeah. yourself down? You breathe. All right. Yeah, mindfulness, the, the, the mindfulness I teach is uh, MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction. It's approved by the NHS. It's go to the NHS website. And actually, they say it works. There's 1,437 articles backing it up on their nice website where they have all the evidence. Um, and, and learning to be in the now, learning to be able to deal with fear, mm. learning that actually who we are, how the mind works, how to get rid of negative thoughts, how to recognize the negative thought when it hits. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, now, before this started, I came in here and immediately, and this is me being completely honest, this is anxiety. Anyone that struggles with anxiety will recognize this. And I stood here and I was like, okay. And immediately my mind was thinking, well, what if I don't press the camera right? What if the microphone does cut <laughs> set? I'm going through every possibility. <laughs> immediately, I felt clammy. Immediately, I felt I started sweating, right? This is a stress response. Mm. This is a sympathetic nervous system kicking in. That's just getting yeah. me ready to either run, hide, or fight. It's a fight and flight response. So what you do, you then do maybe a little bit of triangular breathing, do a five, five, five or something like that. Five seconds, nice deep breath in, five seconds hold, five seconds relief, and relax. What happens? You stop sweating. What happens? Your body switches and goes, no saber tooth tiger, because Bob would not be breathing so slowly if there was. Therefore, stand down guys, go into parasympathetic the parasympathetic nervous system then starts repairing, fixing, fighting disease, growing, all right, replacing cells, doing all the good things that you need to do, mm. not the bad things. Because when you go into the sympathetic, when the stress reaction kicks in, you stop digesting. That's why you get heartburn, indigestion. Um, you probably want to go to the loo because nobody wants to be standing there, you know, going for a wee when you're fighting a saber-toothed tiger. So you get it out of the system ready for the battle. 
Um, and and your your body, your muscles are tensed. You're like this. You're wired. You're looking, you know, a bit crazy mm -hmm. as they've had far too much coffee. Um, and what people forget is that everything day to day is triggering that stress response. And the yeah. biggest one is the mobile phone. Yeah, which is kind of difficult, isn't it, in a world where we are sometimes feeling at the mercy of social media. Well, the problem you have is that the only thing that is publicised is fear-based. So what happens is you're filling your head with negativity day in, day out. Now, the more negativity you put in, the more your brain goes, we're at threat. The more you go into a stress response, the less you sleep, the tireder you are, the more anxious you get, and you're back into that cycle again. Thoughts, creating chemical reaction, creating emotions, behavior, outcomes. So what you've got to do is actually go away. And if you stop reading the news and stop, and when people say, how are you? Go, well, you know, it's a bit tough. I'm a bit tired. Negative, negative, negative. It's still saying, yeah, life is amazing. Stop. Look at the nature. Go and stand in the rain without an umbrella and just feel the, the beauty of that water just flowing across your body and the, the coolness of the rain on a summer's day is stupendous. And just looping back to that um, self-sabotaging thing that you were talking about with artists, I feel like that self-sabotaging would happen a lot less if, if um, creative people were able to take more time to, to just make time, actually, for themselves to just stop. There's like a, a pressure on productivity, isn't there? Uh, well, I teach my songwriting students because I teach them business. And I say the first thing you've got to do, every business does, is they do research before they launch a product. Yeah. Okay. So where's your research and development? Research and development for a songwriter is to go and live. It's to go and get into trouble. It's to go and do yeah. stupid things because they are the narrative that are going to influence your songs. If you look at the Beatles yeah. songs, Penny Lane, it's about realistic things, strawberry fields. It's about things they observed in their life. They were able mm. to inject back into their songs and those songs became absolute timeless classics. Christopher, the lady in red, was about... The, him taking a deep breath in when he saw his wife dressed up in a red dress. Yeah. All right. So if you change the thing, and you know George Ezra um, was signed to Columbia, and you know great guitarist, great singer, but he sang his songs didn't really have anything. So Columbia, who believed in artist development, I don't know this is a major label. Everyone goes bad majors. They exploit. They gave him a credit card and said, "Go traveling." And he went traveling, and the first song from his album, which is about traveling, was Budapest, which was written in Budapest about what he observed, and that was his breakthrough single. That's amazing, isn't it? I actually suggested it when one of our, my other artists, and uh, I did actually talk to the publisher, and I was having a bit of writer's block at the time, and he said, why don't we just literally get a one-way ticket to America and leave him there for three months and see if he can get his way back again? <laughs> Did you do that? No, it didn't go down too well. Oh. well I think with, with, with the family, oh, my God. But again, why not? Ed Sheeran slept on... He would have been fine. He would have got back. Yeah, exactly. He would have been absolutely well, fine. What amazing stories, which would have been amazing songs. And then when you're talking to interviews, yeah. you can tell these great stories about what you did. And, and, yeah. and the thing is, if, if you look at everything, it's about the stories. It's about experience. And the big problem everybody has who want to be artists at the moment is they're in their bubble. They're in the little bubble. And it's not a social COVID-19 bubble. It's their little bubble of friends and echo chamber. 
And what they're yeah. not doing is taking themselves out of their comfort zone. And I've got to be careful how I say this. I say, be visible, expose themselves. Just take the mask off, show who they are, connect with people. Yeah. Be, say yes to everything and do everything you can. Take part in every single conversation going on there. Don't be at the, oh, I'll, I'll put a black square on my Instagram because everyone else is doing it. Go and do something. Right? Yeah, totally agree with that, yeah. And if you do something, you become visible. People see you. People bump into you. People who have same beliefs respect you because you're there doing something. You know, why did all the, some of the great songs of the 70s come out of things like Woodstock, which was a protest against the Vietnam War? How many acts came out of that? Joni Mitchell, you know, Jimi Hendrix. All of this stuff came out of it because they had something to say. Yeah. Right? Now we get artists doing interviews. Go, well, you know, I respect West's life, but they're not really my cup of tea. But <laughs> Whereas it's issue like, if they're crap, say they're crap. They're not. But say, say what you think. Go and do something. Be yeah. visible. Be Stand up for yeah, something. Yeah, because if, if you're not saying anything, then what? why would you expect people to listen? Absolutely. And the thing is also that comes back to the, the other little nugget is be authentic. Mm. Right? Authenticity is what it's all about. Because if you're your authentic self, you're at peace with yourself. Don't hide. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, you get people that um, hide parts of who they are. Now, this is like a, a relationship thing as well. They're with their yeah. partner and maybe they're, I don't know, they're in debt or they've done some stupid things in the past. So what they believe they should do is they go, I'm not going to tell them. I'm going to put this behind a little wall and pretend it never happened. Ooh. And then we live our life. And then at some point, it always happens, they find out. Now, are they upset about the things behind the wall? No. What are they upset about? Trust. All right. And, and as an artist, you've got to be transparent about everything. You know, put your soul out there and say, yeah, this is who I am. Mm. I'm not apologizing for who I am. Take me as I am. Because yeah. there are millions of people that can connect to someone who is transparent and authentic. And yeah, the greatest true. example of that was that amazing performance by Adele at the Brits, where she poured her heart out about a failed relationship, just playing a piano and singing. And there was millions of people around the world that on every time her breath caught, that emotion was felt, burst into tears. They connected with her. They bought 25 million records on the back of it. Oh, God, she's amazing. What do you think about, like, it's kind of a fine line, isn't it, to, um, you know, be yourself and be transparent, but then also have a private life as well? Well, yes and no, because it's about you, not your, not your partner, not your family. You don't involve your partner and family, but you need to in involve yourself. Because mm. the thing is, people follow artists and they listen to songs, not because it's a nice song, not because they think the artist is talented. It's because they feel a connection. All right. Now, when some, you know, um, when some something you listen to and you just go, "Oh my god," you have a connection. Mm. I've, I've worked with with, with these singers um, many in the past, and one of them was an amazing singer. She could she could think. I will always love you, Whitney Houston, better than Whitney. She was that amazing a singer. But the thing is, you put her on TV, no matter what we did, there was no connection because she was great at being everybody else. Uh, okay. 
all right? But the thing is, nobody knew who she was. There was no connection, and she wasn't the sort of warm person. There was, it felt as though there was all these walls down. Nobody could connect, so her career wasn't successful, but a phenomenal singer. But there's a market for uh, that, yeah? And yeah. she could continue to sing and doing session work and everything else. Not everybody has that connection. Now, when you see mm. the star, you know, we look at the X factor, the person that walks in the room, and they've just got this aura about them. And yeah. people just feel attracted to them, connected to them. They're like, oh, wow, oh, my God, they're, they look amazing. It's not because they're pretty or anything else. It's just this aura that comes in. And what it is is belief. It's confidence. It's positivity. It's so great to see you being so free. and You've always been a very positive guy, but I feel like getting into the mindfulness side of things has been such a positive thing for you and and everyone as well everyone who knows you as well because you you emit this positive energy i feel oh, good thank you. just sat here talking to you now it's great <laughs> well, well the bizarre thing is that i actually found what my purpose is mm. and you know and the thing is my purpose at first i thought well, it's to be an entrepreneur to be successful to be rich to be this and actually it's none yeah. of those and my purpose is that is to help people uh, the reason I DJ'd is because I love to see people have a good time and to smile and to enjoy themselves. Is to give yeah. pleasure to people. Um, my purpose now is the reason I teach is is not for the money because probably aware money and teaching isn't fantastic. But you know something? It's that every now and then you get that light bulb moment, and every now and then you get that 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 student that goes, "Oh my God, now I can see." And then you see mm. the difference happen in their lives, and you make a difference. And you stop suffering yeah. and you see pleasure and you see happiness and you see people who can now achieve when you take away those blocks. Um, and we made it our mission now um, that, you know, I'm not managing anymore um, because I felt yeah. that even though it was born after wanting to help people succeed, unfortunately, I couldn't get past the mindsets a lot of the time, the blocks that kept on coming. So mm. decided now to take it even further and to help people before they find management to have the right mindset. Um, and we've actually written a course called the Maxibo Effect. Um, and this is based out, if you look at the placebo, which is proven, that if you give yeah. someone a sugar pill, 40% of the time, the body will heal itself. And that is because the body actually has everything in it. It needs to heal itself. And so what okay. we've done is we've actually we've, we've written a course. It's currently being accredited. Um, so we can bring this into education as a diploma course to start with. Uh, I'm doing guest speaking around universities and other things, talking about this. And and you, when you mention this to people, and they go to go, oh my god, wow. And most people nowadays mm. in social media, which is really damaging, surround themselves with an echo chamber. They block people who have different points of view to them, and only yeah. have people that agree with them. Therefore. There is no perspective. There is no discourse. There is no critical thinking. The only way you're going to change something is by knowing what the other point of view is. Now, if people understood the point of view is streaming of the tech company who, out of all the money Spotify collects, only get to keep 30% of it. And out of that 30%, they've got to do their marketing, customer service. They've got to build the platform. Mm. They've got to innovate. And they're probably losing money. And their risk of being you know, swamped or collapsing is, is huge. Yeah. yeah? So, but everybody blames Spotify. It's a devil. But then there's <laughs> another perspective, which is maybe, well, actually, did you know that YouTube pays half what Spotify does? 
So maybe the focus should be on YouTube is actually the devil. Yeah. And then they're saying it's the record companies that are taking all the money. All right. So the record companies are the devil. And then you go and look at the perspective of the record company and say, well, we invest in all of these artists. And, you know, the average investment in an artist could be 750,000 to a million pounds and only 20 percent make it. They're taking yeah. risk on an artist on whether they will hopefully deliver a hit record. And often they don't. Who yeah, takes the hit? Risk. Record label. Yeah. So then they focus on the collection societies and go, oh, that's a bloody ridiculous. And then the collection society <laughs> saying, well, we get this little bit, but we have to invest in these amazing computers in order to collect all this license, microsystem, you know, micromanage these tiny little payments and make sure it's allocated to the right songwriters. But at the mm. same time, they're trying to invest in that. And then the songwriters are complaining, PRS have put their commission rate up. How dare they? My income's going down. I don't want to pay extra. But they're saying, but we want to invest so we can collect better for you. Yes, but mm. that benefits Ed Sheeran. It doesn't invest me. But all I've done, I'm playing devil's advocate, is the different points of view. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's the old analogy that if it goes really well, it's the artist's. If it goes really badly, it's the manager's fault. When the first time a manager yeah. gets a commission check, people go, oh, that's absolutely ridiculous. But they don't, they forget the five years of working for nothing. You know, artists may look at a manager and think, oh, you're trying to screw me over. Well, why would they do that? They only make money if you do. They're, they have an illegal obligation to work in your best interest. And actually your success mm. is this. So it's that, you know, they, they, they stop trusting the manager. What happens? They sack the manager. Yeah. You see how it keeps going Such around. It's a tricky thing, isn't it? Yeah. Everybody's blaming everybody else. But the thing, the key thing here, notice that everything is everyone else's fault. Holding yourself responsible for things that you are in control of is yeah. so important. So if you're not making £100,000 on streaming income by your PRS, MCPS income, maybe a song's not good enough. Could that be a possibility? You could, don't ever say that to an artist. <laughs> I know. And that's the difficult thing, isn't it? All right. Um, yeah. He's actually saying, well, but then surely part of that is if someone says that to you, it's the whole failure equals feedback. It's like, you know, saying thank you mm. for telling me that because you've now given yeah. me the incentive to go out there and write better songs. And that comes back down to the event. Your response to that event creates a new outcome. Yeah. So you're changing the outlook. You're saying thank you. Just, I'm so grateful that you have been so honest to tell me my song sucks rather than allowing me to continue <laughs> to put out these crap songs and then I'm sitting there festering saying it's the whole world's fault other than my own. And now you've pointed out that I'm a crap songwriter. So do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get rid of my ego. I'm going to go and collaborate with a professional songwriter. I'm going to really learn my craft and work mm -hmm. out what's good. And I'm going to write an amazing song. I'm going to have the success that is waiting for me because I know I can do this. I believe in that. And thank yeah. you for helping me. You have <laughs> the ability to have whatever you desire. All you've got to yeah. do is choose it. So speaking of good songs, we have unfortunately come to the end of our time. Oh, but I could talk for hours. <laughs> my, uh, yeah, we, we would be talking here for hours as well. One of the last questions that I wanted to ask you was, what is your track of the week? Oh, uh, God, that can I, the, the problem I have is it, it just really depends on my mood. Um, mm. Maybe track of the day. 
track of the day um, would be uh, the ID remix of Age of Love. Okay. Which was sort of an old jam and spoon classic on RS record label, Belgian sort of techno classic. And there's an energy about it, but well, I don't know what it is. You no, know, it's not like singer songwriter. It doesn't connect to me lyrically because there are mm. no lyrics. Um, but what it does is something about the emotion that triggers something in me, and I'll dance around in me boxer shorts to it and have a great time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> There's a thought to leave you with, actually, which is really not Yeah, good. <laughs> thank you. My final question is, what is the best lesson you've learned in your career so far? Um, having the humility to trust someone else and to, to listen to what other people have to say rather than thinking I'm always right. Yeah, it's a good one. So, and and the thing is, when you when you realise that, and you, you and you become a willing student, and you are willing to listen, there is so much that you can learn, and it's just I never ever stop learning because honestly, I've learned in the last couple of years, and, and my greatest teacher, say, is my partner Rachel, who you know we sit there now in the evening instead of watching TV, listening to audio books. Um, you know, people like you know Jack Canfield and uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, Greg Braden, and and all of it. And then you you have these sort of oh my god, that makes sense. And then you suddenly realise how much we are controlled. And as soon as you realise that, you can break free, and then you can do anything that you desire. If you want more information about well-being, if you've got that little mental block you want to get sorted out. Um, www.parga-sims.com. Uh, please get in touch. I'm sure we can help you. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Bob. You're welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Be sure to hit subscribe and leave a comment to let us know what you think. And I will see you next time on Backstage Pass.